0: Hello, hello, hello. My name is Courtney Turner, and you are listening to Bluegrass Community Foundation's Do Good Radio Hour. You all, I've got great news. I think today was the very first day that I haven't mistakenly said 2022 in reference to the date this year, and I am so proud of myself. I have decided that the rest of this week, I'm going to be celebrating the little things You know, like stating the year we live in correctly. (laughs) But I invite you to join me. Tag us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY to show us how you are celebrating the little things. And while you're at it, give us a follow. You can also visit our website, bgcf.org, to learn all about who we are and what we do at Bluegrass Community Foundation. And if you're new to the show, hi, friends. Welcome. You can listen to us right here on Radio Lex every Monday at 2 p.m. Or you can find all past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, today's guest is one of those people who make you feel at home wherever you are. She is warm and welcoming and brave and talented, and she is funny, and she's so caring, and she is a fierce defender of being authentically yourself. She is the founder and director of the Bluegrass Youth Ballet, and you all, you're, you're going to love her. I'm telling you, you are going to fall in love with her. Here is Adelie Aranda.
1: How are you? Hello, thanks for having us. Yeah,
0: thanks for coming. It's been a hectic day today, so I'm glad that we can make some time to hang out. Um, Before we really dive into bluegrass youth ballet, I want to learn more about you and about dance in general, if that's okay. Um, As I understand it, you have, no pun intended, danced around a few places before you landed in Lexington. So what was it that brought you here and made you create Lexington as your home?
1: Um, Well, I was born in Mexico, and I spent, um, you know, all my childhood there until I was 22. And that's when I moved to the U.S. So um, I am the fourth out of five children, and uh, my family is quite artistic, um, just, you know, classical music, always playing, that kind of thing. And I always had a very strong, um, you know, attraction to to classical music and and ballet, but I wasn't able to really learn about ballet until I was a little older than most people get into ballet. So, I went to uh, watch a performance. My parents took me to see um, Coppelia, and I don't remember how old I was, but I think I was maybe a, a ten. Or 11 something like that and um, just sitting in that seat in my in the theater was a very life transforming experience for me just just the combination of the lights and the colors the dancing the choreography the music and everything I was just absolutely mesmerized and and I thought this is this is where I belong this is what I want to Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I am from Leon, Guanajuato, and that is in the center of Mexico. And even though it is a very big city, it's very industrial and not so much big into performing arts. So um, it was not easy for my parents to, like, find a place for me to, like, take lessons or that kind of thing. And it wasn't until um, I was about 13-ish and I was walking in my neighborhood back in the day when you could walk in the neighborhood <laughs> safely, and I saw a, um, a, a school inside of somebody's house, a ballet school, and this lady was holding lessons in her living room, and so I just walked myself in there, <laughs> and I just like, there, were, there was a class going on, and I was just like, oh, I wanna do this. So I just um, enrolled myself. That's great. And um, so then I just came home and I told my parents, don't worry, you're not going to have to drive me anywhere. I am not going (laughs) to cause any problems. You do have to pay (laughs) tuition. Um, So that's how my journey started. And um, from there, it was nonstop. Um, You know, as I said, it wasn't a big emphasis in my city. So I didn't really know that I should be getting better training and and more days and more hours. I had no idea. Um, But at some point, I do remember uh, thinking, because I had some videotapes of, like, professional ballets, and I had the Royal Ballet, and I have American Ballet Theater, and I have seen those ballets, watched those videos Mm a hundred times. So I, I knew, like the choreography very well and I knew everything about it and I'm thinking how do I go from point a to here (laughs) you know I it didn't make a lot of sense so when I finished high school I um I was you know I had a, a, a full scholarship to go to 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 college so that's that was kind of like the you know, the thing to do. Right. And so I did one semester of graphic design at home, but I just had this really burning question of what if. Mm-hmm. So at that time, my teacher, my ballet teacher said, I, I don't think that if if you want to continue to do this, you're going to have to get out of here. Right. And, um, which is so scary. Yes. Well, and especially in Mexico and being the youngest girl and like, you know, nobody in my family had left. Right. And so that's not something that you do. And my dad was very strict and he, I knew he would not let me go, but I did ask. And at that point we had some family dynamic going on that I feel that I had a little bit of leverage and so they, they, um, you know, I, I don't know why to this date they allowed me to move to Guadalajara, which is kind of like a, a much bigger city compared to, let's say, maybe Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico City might be like New York, but Guadalajara is something like Chicago. So I was like, I'll take it. Right. And it was only like three hours away from home. So I was supposed to come every weekend and that kind of thing. But once that I was there, you know, and I started like taking classes with like different teachers and international teachers i was like whoa Mm -hmm. i am so behind and seeing all the other dancers and you know many teachers try to discourage me and you know not very nice right um experiences that i had there but i guess somehow that made me more motivated to like prove people wrong mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So um, I spent about three years there. And then the opportunity um, arose for me to move to Indiana, to Evansville, Indiana, okay. and dance there. So I took it. And that was supposed to be like a one-year gig kind of thing. Um, and it was definitely nothing like I had imagined at all it's you know, Evansville is a very small city compared to where I was coming from, mm. but you know it's the United States, and there's more opportunities, more resources. and I got to have great performing opportunities there. So I stayed there for about five years, mm. and the company wasn't doing well. and I um I had I got a, a job in um, here in Lexington dancing with another company, so I took that. And so that's what took me to Lexington. And once I was here, I did move to Chicago for a little while. But then, um, you know, Lexington just kind of drew me. And, you know, I danced um, with the two local uh, professional companies for a little bit until I was about maybe 30. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a mom and I am done performing and I want to create my own school. Mm -hmm. And so... The reason I'm telling you all this is because um, during those training years, I was able to experience so many teachers that different styles and but also a lot of harshness, right and negativity and just really toxic, awful things. And going through that, was very difficult, but it also was very clear to me that I wanted to do something that wasn't that. Right. So it was showing me, like, what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So luckily, by the time that I decided that I wanted to create my own school, I had a very clear vision of what I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And I wanted this place to be a positive environment for children. I wanted to just just work with youth not not have a professional company but just work with children but also have really high expectations as far as technique and artistry but also create uh, a community of of you know being brave and supporting each other and educational and cultural so it wasn't just for the sake of like oh let's learn ballet and have a recital right but it you know have a purpose mm-hmm. an educational and cultural purpose and mending the gap between um you know because it's it's usually seen as a very elitist uh, art form yes and so um because I am Mexican I you know I have um I'm able to reach the the Mexican community and work with them. So the beginning of BYB was as a, you know, it was just my my school. And we started in a little shopping center. And I think um, when we opened in 2003, we only had about 45 students or something like that. And it was clear to me that we would have to become a nonprofit to get the support that we needed and to um, you know, be able to do outreach programs mm-hmm. and and bring the community that um, you know the, the the gap that I'm talking about and to close that. Right. So so we became nonprofit in 2008, and and it, it has just gradually been growing, 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 growing. And today we have about 300 students, and we um, we have. 30 boys oh my god! which is the most amazing That's so exciting thing ever yes 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 and unheard of it's very very rare right so I feel that we are doing really wonderful things in the community and you know the magical thing about all this is that you know my mission was to you know create this with with a purpose of of you know having high quality ballet and all the stuff in a positive environment but the result of it was was to actually in the process parallel to this we created a community of amazing people mm-hmm. and because we have these kind of expectations everybody who comes on board it's on board mm-hmm. and so they are very supportive and oh i have met the most wonderful wonderful people and you know because i live um you know in kentucky without any family, and it's it's still hard to be away from family. It, they have become my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, it has just been the most magical, almost 20 years mm-hmm. of my life, for sure.
0: Now, what is it, first of all, you said that you started dance late, but you were still very young when you started. So what is the average age of kids who start in ballet?
1: Well, most children um, in this country start between the ages of three and five. Sometimes we have students that start a little later, like maybe seven or eight. But by that time, um, and I think it's also the culture in the United States where there is so much to do and Mm. so many different things that kids want to try. You know, when when you get to to ballet and you want to do it seriously, you have to invest a lot of hours, right? Because it's you know it's it's retraining all your muscles and um, and your mind and your emotions and everything. Um, it's it's a lot. It takes a lot of years to mm-hmm. really get to a level where you could call yourself accomplished and you can um, you know perform on stage with confidence. So. You know, our students um, start performing when they're five, but we accept them at age three. You know, between ages three and five, it's a preschool situation where they come once a week for 45 minutes, and it's an awareness class. Sure. Where they learn musicality and rhythm and awareness of their space and following directions. And then once that they're like five, six, we start to require and throw some technique mm. and every year it just gets harder and more more time consuming. So by the time let's say a thirteen year old that, that the age that I was when I started, they have had quite a few years of training. Right. And they are at the age where they are starting to um work on point and they, you know, we usually get the kids evaluated um by a, a physical therapist to make sure that they are anatomically ready. Um and so I skipped all those years. Right. And even when I started, I started with, you know, in uh, a, a, a school and a teacher that wasn't that committed or serious. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, for me, my dance career, it was always this game of catching up, catching up, catching up, and doing a lot of work on my own. And as I said, I'm, I'm grateful that I had a lot of wonderful performance opportunities, a lot of lead roles and that kind of thing. And But, you know, I, I always felt a little bit like that imposter syndrome. Sure. You know, once that I realized that people had a lot more training than I did or they were stronger than I was or, you know, they had a different path. Um, but that's kind of the cards that life gave me. Right. So. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. It sounds like you're doing a great job. <laughs> you know the funny thing is that when you are given such cards and you are you have to struggle, mm. you learn how to be how, how to recognize um, obstacles more easily in others. and I think that's what has made me a good teacher because it all the things that were not easy for me. And when I recognize that on other students, I know, I know what it is like, or you know, I, you know, I have seen that path, or I have been in those shoes. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. So um, <laughs> it's, it just gives me a little bit more awareness, as if everything had been a little easier mm-hmm. for me.
0: Now let's talk about some of those struggles because. If you've watched any ballet dance movie ever before in life, you know that there are specific body types that are, quote unquote, desirable in ballet. You see skin color that is, quote unquote, desirable in ballet. Are these things that kids, especially in our area, is still dealing with? And how do you even go about combating those stereotypical, this is what ballet should be?
1: You know, sadly, it still exists. Um, I think it's slowly changing. It needs to change faster. Yes. But, you know, that's been one of my big goals at BYB, to have that diversity and to normalize it. So not only with, you know, the gender balance where, you know, kids come to our school and they see a bunch of the boys dancing. They're like, oh. It's normal to dance. And, you know, the more that you see it, the more normal normal that it becomes. And it's the same for skin color and it's the same for all body shapes. Um, You know, as far as, you know, body shape and that kind of thing, there is also still the stereotype um, attached to ballet. And, you know, it just kind of... um, I'm so happy that it's changing some and that that, um, dance has become a little bit more accepting. Mm -hmm. I think when you get to a certain level of proficiency, your body is so strong and you're such an athlete that however you look like at that point, it's just knowing and understanding you are an athlete Mm -hmm. and to accept that. Um, you know, my, my, my daughter, she is 19 and she's um a, a dancer too. She's a professional dancer. Right now she's living in New York. And, you know, I have kind of been so surprised that the stigma is still there and the to- toxicity and, mm-hmm. you know, the stories that she tells me from the places that she's been. I'm like, are you serious? Right. I thought this was, like, so, like... <laughs> Yeah, the oh, century. Right. Yes. I mean, what? It's why is this still happening? But a lot of the times, like directors that are very old school, quote to quote, they they were brought like that, and that's the only way that they know. Um, so yes, sadly, it still exists. But um, I think there's a lot of wonderful people out there in the world you know, changing that, you know, like Misty Copeland and, yes. you know, there, there's a lot of like big stars recognizing that this is BS and it needs to change. Correct. Misty
0: also started young, I mean, started later, later. didn't she? Yes, she
1: did. She oh, did. God. Yeah. She um, just recently, I think one of her books is coming out and it's just so fascinating to hear her story as well. So, um Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know BYB can be uh, uh, one of those places that slowly we can start changing the stigma. But it really, it it really all comes from giving the 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 children the tools to feel confident about confident about themselves and to be brave to put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Because when you are, if you grow up secure, and you're a child that that it's confident and that you're giving all those tools and resources and that you're loved and you're accepted, you you become a secure adult. And so these adults are going to recognize that, you know, some things need to change. Right. But, you know, just from the experiences that I had and from seeing the teachers that I had, I I know that those teachers were very uh, abused. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's a cycle. Yes. And and we have to break that cycle. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and so I'm hoping that each one of these students that graduates they go through all the years and they graduate, they will start breaking that cycle.
0: When does that graduation happen? How many years is a student
1: typically with BYB? Um, you know, the student that sticks with it until the end, they will graduate with high school. Mm. Okay. of course you know at that point i i always tell them you're the clo- the doors are always open you can come back anytime right? yeah. you can come take classes anytime and but you know a lot of a lot of dancers choose to follow you know the path of college and sadly they they stop dancing some of them don't stop dancing or they just do it on the side sure. um you know a handful of kids will will continue to a professional career um but it is so difficult It's just such a difficult career. Um, And it's not, you know, it's not very well paid. Sure. And there's so many, um, I feel that's, you know, most of the students that, that what I see is that our students are very well accomplished academically, um, as well as all their, you know, dealing with juggling all their hours and stuff. So... A lot of them just choose the the path of academia, um, but I think all the lessons learned and all the experiences and all the processes they had to go through are just invaluable. Right? You know that the the learning to manage your time and the self esteem and you know just oh my goodness, so many lessons, social lessons and emotional lessons and learning to deal with frustration and disappointment and putting yourself out on stage in front of, you know, a thousand people and, and representing and Mm -hmm. teamwork. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful.
0: And so many of those aspects are so transformative, not just as dancers, but as just a human. (laughs) And sure. I know that training in ballet is so rigorous, and there's also such a high expectation for everyone involved, from the teachers to the dancers, and there's a mutual respect for one another. How have you seen that impact the kids who have come through BYB?
1: I hear it. I see it every day. And when you see something all the time, sometimes you become blind to it. Mm-hmm but i love it when um the parents or the students have graduated i call them my my BYB babies <laughs> uh they come back and and they tell me stories of real life stories and how they have handled those and and they have because of the lessons that they have learned mm-hmm. through ballet and their discipline um and to me those are so valuable. Um and, and I just oh, it just makes me so grateful that all these kids have have touched me in a way. Right. And that we have really worked together for so many years. Sometimes I see these kids more than their parents <laughs> do. And I spend more time with them. Mm-hmm. So to me that's such a gift and I will never take that for granted.
0: Now, you touched on this earlier, but there is still that stereotype that ballet is very elitist and expensive, but BYB is a nonprofit. So how are you all working to make dance accessible for the kids in
1: our community? Um, well, overall, our tuition prices are a little bit lower than other places. Um, we try to make sure that our overhead is, is manageable. Um, But we also offer, we have a program called TAP, tuition assistant program, even though we don't have TAP classes there. It's It's very very, clever, though. And um, so parents that, of students that have a lot of interest um, or a lot of talent and they want to continue dancing or they want to start dancing, but they don't have the means, they will fill out the form. And, um, you know, it's just based on poverty level. And then we have a committee that reviews them, and then you know the the families might volunteer to do some tasks in exchange for a tuition discount, and some of the tuition discount might be as big as seventy five percent. Right. Um, uh, sometimes we have dancers that have never paid tuition, and they graduate, um, you know, and and they have gone through all the all the levels and and you know <laughs> all the roles. Mm-hmm. Um and so that allows people to have the flexibility of you know I can I can only do 50% of this and so and I I'm just I'm just so grateful that we can do that. We right. we right now give um over $25,000 on uh per year on tuition assistance. And so that it's something that we try to balance out with grants, with uh, donations, mm-hmm. with fundraisers. Um, you know, our families create wonderful things that we sell uh, before the shows in the lobby, or you know, just different types of fundraisers that we right. do to kind of compensate for for the loss of that subsidy. Sure, um, you know, in grants out from the community and that kind of thing. And then our boys program, because, you know, like there's a stigma and we're trying to change it. We allow boys to enroll for the first year tuition free. Oh, that's awesome. And just see if they like it. Right. Because a lot of the times, you know, it, it they will be so scared and the parents are going to be on edge. And once that they know, you know what, for the first year you don't have to pay tuition. Right. Then they have nothing to lose. Yes. We have a wonderful teacher, Mr. Chuck Bronson, and he's he's uh, he is like at the head of, of our boys. Mm-hmm. And we have five different levels of boys right now, which is so awesome. So the older boys help with the little ones and he has them in class, um Jumping rope and 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 doing all kinds of things that are very attractive to boys. That are you know that they want to move, they want to jump, they right. they jump over over, you know, over different obstacles. And oh, it's just so precious. Mm-hmm. And they're like itty bitty kids, and and they're just oh my goodness, it's wonderful, it's so wonderful. I the day that I saw all my boys in the same studio together. I just was like, okay, I can die now. Yep, this is this it. is this great. Is it. I've checked the box. <laughs> yes, yes. It was it was such a big dream come true mm-hmm. for sure, and you know I think that is going to only get better, of course, because as I said, it's normalizing it, right? And they're boys from all kinds of, um, you know, ethnicities and colors, and and it's okay. Yes, and they're just they just help each other so much, and they're so wonderful with each other. And I've seen the older boys give advice to the younger ones and help them out. And, oh, it's just so... It's, it really is yeah. building a community. It That's is. what that community is. And the parents, yeah. Yes. The parents of, like, the older boys are, like, giving advice to the little ones. and oh, Yes. So sweet. Yes. Now,
0: talking about donations and fundraisers, what are some immediate needs that you all are facing right now? And how can our listeners take part in
1: helping with those needs? Well, in 2019, we moved to a new space on Southland Drive, um, and my goodness, we were so excited because we seemed like we had so much more space than we used to. We we used to be on Mercer Road, and Mercer Road we had three studios, and we moved to this space and we have four studios, but there's a fifth one that wasn't finished, and at that time we just could not afford it. Mm. Um, So it's Basically, right now it's a storage room and it's unfinished. So our immediate goal is to finish the studio number five because we are working at capacity. We we can't accept that many more students. Right. Um, there's just no place, and and that breaks my heart when I have when we see a, a waiting list. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's there's no spaces for the kids to come, and we have. Hire staff. And so we are very well staffed right now, which is so wonderful. The, you know, the teachers are, I brought them from, from New York and, you know, from, from just all over the place and they are just the most wonderful team and we can't offer more. So it's a good problem to have. Of course. But it is it's a still big a problem. problem because we, you know, like this, we just performed a cracker and, we had 189 performers. Oh, yeah, my gosh. And that's that's only our kids from ages 5 through 18. And not everybody chooses to do the shows because sure. they're quite, you know, it's such a commitment. So uh, can you imagine having to cast 189 dancers? Absolutely so not. So we had to double cast, of course. The little ones are double casted, which means that they only have one performance. But... um it's uh, it's exhausting. What are, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. You need yeah, space. Yeah, we
0: need space. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you and reach out
1: to help grant you this space? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we have had um, the first uh, estimate to finish this the studio number five is about $50,000. Okay. So we're starting to, to raise money for that. But this it's hard for us to figure out, OK, how do we raise money for this while well, we're trying to also raise money for our tuition assistance program right. and, and all the other immediate needs. So um, we do have a website. It's bluegrassyouthballet.org. And there is um, a page where you can donate. And you know, because we're a nonprofit, it's all tax deductible. Oh, my goodness! If you're interested in helping, reach out to us. and um, it, I would love to talk to you. Um, this is something that i I truly feel that this was a mission in my life mm-hmm. to to come to to Lexington and serve this community. and there's because it's not only about teaching ballet, right? it's That's kind of like the excuse that brings us together. But it just transcends beyond that, and there's so many. I mean, just to give you an example, there has been many cases where we have parents that have been deported and then all of a sudden the child is, like, floating with, you know, one of the parents or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or we had, you know, a death in the family of a, a, a family that it's just, you know, living bare minimum. Right. So other families of like single parents and they're going through tremendous hardships. And it takes me a, an email. And within one or two hours, we have pulled together all these funds for these families. That's the kind of community I'm talking about. They will be like, what can I do? Can I bring food? Can I? People are like donating, cooking. Sending presents or like you know, just being there for, mm-hmm. for those needs, you know, it and I'm so honored that I get to be in, in that position where I can reach out to people and say, Hey, this 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 is a, a very immediate need in our community. It has nothing to do with ballet. Of course. But it's it's life. It's the bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and our communities pulling together and there it's amazing oh, it just beautiful. floors me it's I, I'm always like so just shocked of, of the generosity of our community
0: mm. gets me cold chills yeah, I, know. I, love, it. I know. love it love it love <laughs> it
1: okay we are going to
0: go into our next segment which we like to call BGCF Fast Facts where I'm going to ask you a question and without thinking about it too much you are going to give me the first answer that pops up are you ready Sounds good. I'm ready. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Um, it's called Eat
1: Smart by Sean Stevenson.
0: Are we liking it?
1: How far uh, along are we? Um, about um maybe halfway. It's, okay. Uh, oh, it's fascinating. Mm. It's fascinating. I'm I'm learning all about the microbiome of your gut and how throwing it off balance throws everything everything off in, off. Your, bo- in your body. Yeah. It's it's been fascinating. I'm like, oh, oh I need to read how that. did
0: somebody not tell me about these like I'm also years fascinated ago? by the body yes. in general because it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Everything is from your gut.
1: Yes, all hormone function and everything comes from your gut. Oh, fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. What are you watching right now? Oh my goodness. I just started watching last night this show called Human Playground. What is this? <laughs> So it's like, um, it shows episodes of like things that humans do kind of competitively or like just to have fun, but they're very like dangerous and that kind of thing, you know, like jumping on top of balls that are coming right at you and like, you know, doing bike races in crazy places or crossing the desert or that kind of thing. Human playground. Fascinating as well. (laughs) Love it.
0: What are you listening to right now? You, <laughs> yay! I hope you listen to us more. <laughs> as a as a teacher of dance and a lover of music, I'm sure that that's a crazy question to ask what you're listening to. Because I'm sure right now it's probably the Nutcracker.
1: <laughs> Thankfully, <you> all... <laughs> no. I am. I, you know, when when we're done with with shows, I am so yes done. done. Yeah, I just don't. Oh yeah. And um, but in my car, I was listening to some jazz music. Love it. Yeah. What are you eating right now? I just had a little salad at home with garbanzo beans and spinach and um, uh, what else was in there? Blueberries and raspberries. I just threw some things that oh, I yeah. had. Oh, feta cheese, arugula. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it was good. Delicious. Yes. What are you most scared of? As in fear or as in anxiety, but I'm not supposed to ask questions, right? Um, I'm scared of, as a fear, I'm terrified of heights, like getting really close to Mm. a cliff Mm -hmm. and feeling like somebody's going to fall or I'm going to fall. As an anxiety, I'm scared of not being able to adapt to whatever life throws at me at some point. I love that. That's a very unique answer. I haven't heard that before. I love that.
0: What are you most proud of?
1: Right now, I'm just very proud of our of my dancers. Mm. And I'm including my daughter in that. She, she makes me proud every day. Um, but yeah, because we just finished up performance, it just feels like my heart is bursting from watching all my kids dance their heart out.
0: It was also a hit. You walked into the studio, and Diego outside was like, That was awesome. (laughs) Who do you look up to?
1: You know, I look up to women, or really any human, that has the guts to be brave and to work through their fears to 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 be able to align uh, themselves with their authentic self that to Mm -hmm. me is a magical person Mm -hmm. and um i always admire those people
0: i'm getting a little teary-eyed because that's you (laughs) and i hope that you realize that that's who you are and that is so cool okay Um, what are you most looking forward to?
1: I'm looking forward to moving my daughter back from New York to home at Yay. least for for a month. Yes. yes. I miss her so much. Why do you love our community? Oh my goodness, I just explained my my community <laughs> is my is my my family and you know, as a community um, I feel that Lexington is a very unique place. And I, I think that you know for for a, for a state that is very conservative, Lexington is not so conservative. And I have found that um, there is such a, a range and diverse members in this community that create a wonderful quilt. Mm. It's you know, talk about the 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 microbiome of of our <laughs> gut. It's kind of like that, you know, it's not all like one type of of people, but they're so diverse that it creates a very rich um, culture. Mm. and I love that. I love that. Yeah. Why do you love yourself? Well, that's the only way that you can love other people mm. if you love yourself. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah.
0: Last question. What do you all have coming up in 2023? Mention your website again, tell people how they can
1: learn more about BYB. Our web- website is bluegrassyouthballet.org. But I have to say that if you want to find out about like our day-to-day things mm-hmm. and uh, just go to our social media, Instagram and Facebook. Um and, you know, we usually post videos of, of the teachers, the dancers, the, you know, like whatever is going on, costumes or whatever. So um, we are going to be starting to work on Alice in Wonderland uh, around at the end of January or so. So this performance is going to be at the end of April, April 28th and 27th, no, 28th and 29th at the Lexington Opera House and I'm very excited that's about this so because exciting. it's such a fun ballet and it's just crazy. Oh. So anything will be fun. You know, we, we just, this would be the second the, the second time that we do it and I'm very looking forward to that. And then, so next season, which is 23-24, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be our 20th anniversary <gasps> season. And that's, um I'm, I'm very... That's huge. Again, I'm just like, as I said, if I can, if I... Get hit by a truck. I'm going to live. I'm going to um, go happy. die live. Yes, <laughs> very happy. Um, so we are planning to do Dia de los Muertos, which is our signature ballet um, in October. And then we'll have our Nutcracker again in December at Singletary Center. And then for our spring show, we will have our 20th anniversary gala. And um, we're still planning that. Okay, I'm not exactly sure what's going to involve, but I usually for our anniversary performances, I try to, you know, bring the alumni back and oh, so fun, uh, yeah. So, so that one's gonna sometimes be sometimes I dance in it and, <gasps> or like you know have some kind of element that is like out of the ordinary or whatever. But I don't know, I'm getting a little old.
0: Oh, you stop! Oh, you're gonna be great. It's gonna be a big year. you It's gonna be you're a big year. Come bust it out. I
1: know. <laughs> I better start training now.
0: <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for Thank being you. here with me today. You are so amazing. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure to to spend the morning with you.
0: This has been such a pleasure. Please come back and visit us. Maybe yes. for that 20th anniversary. Yes, let's Love do that. It. Let's Thanks do that. so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Do Good Radio Hour, brought to you by Bluegrass Community Foundation. We'll be back next week right here on Radio Lex, or you can listen to us anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at bgcfky, or visit us at bgcf.org to stay up to date on all of the latest giving and do-good opportunities in our community. Until next time, I'm Courtney Turner. Do good and be well. You are listening to the Do Good Radio Hour on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 LP-FM Lexington. Our theme song is Happy Tune, written and performed by Brother Smith. The views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Radio Lex, its board of directors, or Bluegrass Community Foundation. The views expressed are solely my own and the guest's.